Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome to HR Work Break. I'm your host, Maddie Collins, editor of HR Daily Advisor. HR Work Break takes a quick but close look at everything human resources. For any HR professional, it's a must listen. I hope you learned something new, take some advice to heart, or simply stay abreast today's trending topics. Now, it's time for a work break. For all of our new listeners, welcome to HR Work Break. This is a segment of our larger podcast, HR Works. So it's going to move a little bit quicker than what the main podcast acts as. I'm joined by Kat Kibben, CEO and founder of Three Ears Media, an agency that specializes in recruiting and team building, especially in creating unbiased, inclusive job postings. Kat, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. So Kat, for one of my first questions, I'd really love to know what type of research you did to better understand what job postings need to change. Yeah. So I really did two phases of work. One was by accident and one was very intentional. So the first one was when I started to work on job postings in the first place. And so I was invited to speak on the topic. And I remember saying to the organizer, I don't know much about job postings. I know a lot about marketing. I know a lot about recruiting, but that's just not my specialty. And they were like, there really isn't any expert. And it clicked with me that this was a really interesting problem to solve because job postings are the currency of work. Everyone needs to have one to get a job, buy a job, so to speak, air quotes. And we do not have expertise in this field. And so I did my research as a marketer in a recruiter's world and created some hypotheses, some that I still use today, actually. And I presented them. And at the end of the conference, I told people, and you're about to laugh at me, I said, I'll write your job post for free (laughs) if you send it to me. And I had over 300 people contact me in 30 minutes. Wow. I'm stubborn enough that I did every single one. I learned hiring manager intake by doing it 300 times. That's a lot of work. That's really impressive that you're able to to get all through it. Were you in touch with any of the people whose um, job postings you helped? Do you know what kind of a an impact just changing the language of the of the job post made? That's what exactly what informed the second half of my research, which is where I actually aligned social trends with tactics we use in our job postings because some of the outcomes they were talking about were, you know, we're getting all men applying to these jobs. We're not seeing, you know, a pipeline of candidates that's well representative of this community. We're not getting the outcome. And so while some people were having great results of getting more qualified applicants, they were seeing a faster time to fill and even reporting back and saying, these people are actually staying. How cool is that? On the other side, I was seeing these in disproportionate outcomes as far as equity. And when we started to remove some of those tactics, the tactics that we knew were creating bias, that's when we started to actually have a product that I know contributes to the outcomes that we all talk about wanting, which is a more equitable workforce where everyone can have access to their dreams and jobs that could change their lives. And so I know a lot of the younger generation, Gen Z in particular, focused intentional DEI efforts are essential for them wanting to be a part of a company. Do you think that the job posting is the first step? And how do you recommend companies to continue that kind of positivity and thoughtful intention moving forward? What I tell people is the point of a job posting is for people to say two things at the end. Yes, I can do this. And yes, I want to. 
And to say it truthfully, not just trying to get a job or working your way around to negotiate your way into a role, but to truly put yourself in a place where you belong. And I think that we can do a lot of showing versus telling when it comes to belonging in the job posting. And we can do the telling later. But if we want to attract this generation, we need to show them the efforts that we're using to build equity and belonging in our workplace instead of saying, we're building equity and belonging in our workplace. We're a highly collaborative team, right? All of that. This generation specifically has a higher threshold for BS. (laughs) We call it. Earlier, because we have seen over 3,000 messages a day every day for the entirety of our lives. And when we see something that sounds like what everyone else does, we're going to call it. We're going to say something. And so I encourage you to apply practical tips that help every generation, and especially the one that can see through the BS, Mm -hmm. to say, I understand this role. Yes, I want to. Yes, I can. Or no, I don't want to. No, I can't. Right? If you can answer that question at the end, then we can have conversations about what happens next, but you need to fold it in. Let me give an example. So entry-level jobs, that's what a lot of Gen Z is looking at right now. They open up their entry-level job and they see 27 bullets. I don't even need to tell you what those 27 bullets say to know that they're probably not going to apply. Why? Because they feel like a barrier's cre- been created and they can't imagine themselves doing that work. And they don't know that preferred is for steak and shrimp, not for people's actual jobs. And when people say preferred, they don't know what they're talking about, right? There's so many layers here. And so what we encourage for entry-level jobs is you should have no bullets. That creates access. Then we can create equity because if we never create access, we never get the people there in the first place. Right. I'm not too far out of college myself. So imagining an entry-level job posting when I had just graduated that would have been accessible like that would have been a a real game changer for my career path and my confidence, just to name two things, right? Yes. One of the phrases I tell people to use that I think can be life-altering is no experience is required to be successful in the job. We'll teach you everything you need to know. Use that phrase. Everyone steal that phrase from me, please. Because like you just described, imagine how it would have felt if someone said, I'll teach you everything you need to know. That could have been life altering. So do you think fostering the environment of learning and opportunity is obviously essential for entry level employees? Do you think that makes a difference on a longer term, especially when we're considering the effects of the great resignation and today's labor market? Absolutely. People who are more senior in their roles, and this applies to what I would call, you know, your center of excellence types of roles. So HR, marketing, and sales, but it also applies to tech, is that when we provide more clarity, people can imagine their next steps. And often there are a lot, especially on the corporate and tech roles. So I want to provide a big asterisk, right? Things like college degree requirements or years of experience, both of which introduce bias that's unnecessary in understanding outcomes. Because ultimately, we need to understand the experiences a person has had that would qualify them for this job, not skills, because skills are not universal. 
Let me give an example, right? Let's say you and I are both directors of marketing and we go into two different companies and we're both there for two years. What are the chances you and I do the exact same thing every single day? Very, very low. Exactly. There's no chance in hell. No one can see me, but I'm literally looking at my pinky, like the very tip of my pinky, like it's small, small, small. However, we quantify the time and a skill in language that's not universal. Job postings have been done this way for over 100 years. That was the fundamental premise of my research study, is that if job postings have not fundamentally changed in 100 years, while the workforce and equity have changed fundamentally, how are we creating outcomes that are actually equitable? And we're not. That was the answer. We weren't. Mm -hmm. And so this new model of job postings, it's flipping everything on its head because a lot of the premises that we were using to assess and, and attract talent are fundamentally based in racist capitalist principles as the job posting was created in that little nest. So inevitably, it's going to have some of that sitting in it. Exactly. Yeah. Obviously, like putting the person first is essential when it comes to recruiting, making them feel like a real person. For you, what does the human the human part of human resources mean to you throughout the recruiting process and throughout your career in general? So when I, a long time ago, I was laid off from a job three days before I bought a house. Oh, God. And... I remember I wasn't, I was new to my career, right? I didn't have some deep network. I didn't have five people to call. I did not have time to be Googling like uh, resume optimization for marketing, right? Like I did not have time. And so I remember opening up the internet and typing in a job title and hitting enter. And I remember being met with lies and cliches. I remember feeling bad when I had so much on the line. And every single time I think about human resources, I think about the humans behind it. I think about my experience and I remember that I'm not special. A million people lose jobs every year, right? Millions. That's, I'm pulling a number out of a hat, but people lose jobs every single day. People want to change jobs for a million reasons. But the one that I never forget is that they're not happy. And if you're not happy, you deserve to be able to do something better with your life. And if we want to work in a company, in an area of a company where we call it human resources, the first word is human, we should treat people like humans. And that means applying dignity and respect to every single part of this process that we can actually control. And ultimately, there are very few variables we can control in hiring, but one of them is how we speak to people and how we define the work. And obviously, like your personal experience inf informed a lot of the compassion you have for all the work that you do. But have you had any professional advice that has either changed the way you work or just changed your perspective? Absolutely. I, I experience new people and ideas that change how I think every single day. I think one of the things, I guess I'll give two pieces of advice. One is for everyone and one is a little more niche. So the first piece of advice I would say is chase great ideas, don't chase job titles. Job titles were completely made up. And I've learned this by analyzing job titles and working at every single company, big, small, and everything in between over the last five years of creating three years media. And so I fundamentally have seen a lot of people who want the job title, but they're not chasing the work. 
And if you really want to be happy at work, you need to do work you're proud of that you really, really love. And with that said, I think we also have moved into this generalist model where if you ask someone what they can do and they go everything, and that's not good for you. It's not good for you because we work in a model of when people think of you, they call you, right? And whether it's a, I saw a sign on the side of the road that said cat, or I saw this job that would be perfect for you. We need a model in which people know us for doing one thing really, really well. And so something else that really transformed my life, but also really transformed my company was having someone say to me, you know, the the riches are in the the niches, right? Like in dialing in and being known for one thing. And so whether you're a consultant, whether you work in HR talent, be known for doing one thing for a company really, really well. And people will call you for that one thing over and over again. You won't have to look for jobs. Gotcha. That's, That's really good advice. It really is. And this is a little bit off topic, but I remember you emailed mentioning that you're traveling across the country in your van right now. Could you tell me about that? Because that just sounds like the absolute coolest. Yeah. So in December of this year, I decided to travel the country and run my business and test out every little law I had made about work-life balance, about running a company and being available to people. And jokingly, I say, you know, I'm, I'm starting to break the matrix because I'm learning that all of those rules are completely made up just like those job titles. Right. The inspiration behind it uh, was that my mom had rheumatoid arthritis Uh, But before that, she was an army officer for 25 years. She retired. And within two years, she was 100% disabled. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. It's okay. But it taught me a lot about saving your joy for the end. You do not need to save or, or work a certain amount of time or collect a certain amount of experiences or life to live your life. And I watched someone try to do that. I watched someone never take a vacation, not one day off for many, many years. I watched them work to death 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. every single day and hold rigor and standards around these rules that are not real. And after all that, she wasn't able to enjoy any of this. And I refuse to live my life toiling away every single day because we were, we as people were not put on this planet to work our lives away. We were put on this planet to be happy. And if you don't know what makes you happy, you should go figure it out. Yeah. Even if it's like the little things, like just taking a walk after your lunch break or traveling in your van, right? Exactly. You do not have to flip your whole life upside down to flip how you think about your life. I strongly encourage people to just constantly seek out new experiences because full transparency, like I was not a camper (laughs) as a kid. I barely went outside. I don't remember loving it, but when I figured out I loved it and it was the only place where my mind felt quiet, I sought it out and I sought out how to make it part of my life. And you should do that too. You being you and everyone else who's listening to this. Right. Of all the uh, the so-called like corporate and, and life rules that we've kind of internalized, what's one of the biggest ones you've kind of realized just on this trip so far? Oh, that's a great question. You know, I think the biggest one is that time is your most valuable asset. Not your money, not your job title, not any of that. Because the your time is limited and you cannot buy, trade, or sell it. 
And when you say yes to something, look at the total time, right? Like look at the travel, look at all of it. And your value is so much greater than you know. Yeah. God, that's, that's just really heartwarming, you know? Yeah. It's, it's one of those lessons that I think we have to learn over and over again. Um, and to really love ourselves in a way to remind ourselves that we aren't just pawns in this game. You know, we're not just working for the man and making them money, right? You're allowed to have feelings and needs and to prioritize what you love. Speaking of time, since this is airing on Friday, what are you most looking forward to right now? Like what, what joy are you having next in your life? Yeah. I mean, I live in a van and I get to travel the country and see beautiful things. And so I'm just looking forward to the next beautiful place. One of my next beautiful destinations is White Sands National Park, where I'll be doing some hiking along. It it basically looks like mountains of sand in the middle of a desert. And I'm really excited to see it. Where out west is that? I haven't been out west yet, so uh, southern New Mexico. Southern New Mexico, nice. Wow, that's that's gonna be gorgeous. I'm so excited for you. Me too. Thank you so much for joining me today, Kat. It was a it was really a pleasure speaking with you. Ditto. Yeah, no, this is so worth it. I love to talk about all of this. So thank you for having me. I appreciate that. Again, I'm Maddie Collins, and thank you for listening. Join us next Friday or whenever you need a work break.